listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. We're going to jump in. I'm going to get ready to rant a little bit. Um... I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about when I say goofy Christians. This, let me get, let me, hold on. Let me get the sweat rag out. Let me get the sweat rag out. It's time to rant because it bothers me. It absolutely bothers me when you see Christians that should, it was the sports center ad voice. When you see Christians that should be effective, that should be producing fruit, that should be fulfilling their call, but somehow, and I don't even, I mean, like initially, I don't know how it happens. I'm going to give you uh, five things today that are are, uh, avenues of it happening, but I don't know if it's just people that were goofy before they became Christians. I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to rant for a little bit because this is one of the most frustrating things in the body of Christ is these Christians that are like goofy. They get super spiritual. They get super weird. And, um, you know, I know there might be people that get offended today. That's fine with me. I have no problem offending people as you may have learned from watching previous broadcasts, but it needs to be ended. It needs to come to an end. And I'm, I'm sure of course, we'll always have a contingent of, goofy Christians somewhere out there in the ether, but it needs to come to an end and we need to focus on never becoming that kind of a Christian. And, um, so I want to, I want to, I want to deal with some of this today and I'm going to give you, uh, I'll give you five different things four for sure, but I think I've got five. And, um, these really to me are proof that you have kind of gone into that goofy lane. (laughs) You've kind of gone into that goofy lane. And what am I talking about? Well, that, that phrase that I used a moment ago, super spiritual, these Christians that are always doing weird, like weird stuff, you know, they're always talking about weird stuff. They're always like, they, they've just got this like a theory. They're always like, it's like they're in a Ghostbusters movie or something, or something. I don't know what it is, but they get really, really weird and they get goofy. And what, what, ended up, what ends up happening is that they're no use to the kingdom of God because they've become uh, so odd, so odd, so weird. And um, I'm going to deal with some of these things because number one, they need to be dealt with. But number two, it's a warning to you guys. It's something to keep your eye out for. Remember this, the number one thing <clears throat> that the Lord wants us to do as believers is to produce fruit. You'll know them by their fruit. The Bible says if you're connected to Jesus, John chapter 15, that you'll produce much fruit and it'll bring great glory to the Father in heaven. So obviously we want to bring great glory to the Father in heaven and obviously we want to produce fruit for the kingdom. But see, when you get to be in this weird, super spiritual, goofy mindset, it actually stops you from producing fruit. It stops you from being effective in the kingdom of God. And it actually, if you want to know the truth about it, it's actually a turnoff to unbelievers, to those that are seeking a savior. And that's a dangerous place to be. Now, 
If you know me, if you've been on this broadcast for any period of time, you'll know that I'm not talking about the manifestations of the Holy Ghost. That's I don't mean that by any stretch of the imagination. You know, you've got some of these seeker-sensitive churches and denominations now that are trying to use the mindset that I'm talking about today as a reason to not have the power of God manifest in their services. They don't want to lay hands on anybody. They don't want speaking in tongues. They don't want prophecy or uh, messages in tongues and interpretation. They don't want any of that going on because in their mind, the Holy Spirit and his manifestations are kind of creepy to the seeker, to the unbeliever. I am not talking about that today. I, I couldn't disagree with that thought process any more than I do. In fact, Paul the Apostle said, don't despise prophesyings, don't forbid speaking in tongues. So I want to say right off the bat that <clears throat> as I'm talking about this, in no way am I talking about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit turning off uh, unbelievers from salvation because that is not what happens. The Holy Spirit's main job is to draw people to the Father, and he is the one. And when his gifts are in manifestation, tongues, interpretation, prophecy, they are a sign, the Bible says, to the unbeliever. So the Holy Spirit is not weird. It's people that get weird. And so I want you to just know, and I don't want anybody to have the ability to take this broadcast out of context and say, well, he's talking about he doesn't want people to be spiritual because he says that when people get spiritual, then that turns unbelievers off. I am not talking about that. I'm talking about when people get weird, when people get goofy, when people get super spiritual and then they're, they're like in their own world. That's what I'm talking about. So I, I'm all for I'm as Pentecostal as Pentecostal gets in, in every way, as you've heard from the song. <laughs> We are Pentecostal. We're Holy Ghost and fire in every way. I love the move of the Holy Ghost. I love the manifestations of, of God's power. But what I'm dealing with here today is people, and we, and because I travel, you see this like a lot. You see people that are like this a lot. And then you have to deal with it. And people get out of line and they start doing weird stuff in church services and all this. And it's just, they get, even when you talk to them afterward, they say some of the craziest stuff I've had people write me letters. I've had people give me, this is true. I've had people give me drawings, like actual hand-drawn things that on a piece of paper. I had a guy, <clears throat> and it was a, a younger, it was actually a girl, and now that I think of it, came up to me after I was done preaching in a service and said, while you were preaching, I saw this. This is what I saw, and handed me, this weird hand-drawn picture of who it was like me as a stick figure. And then all these like weird, dark, like scribbles and all this. Like, She's like, I just saw this as you were preaching. What do you think it means? And I was like, absolutely nothing. And I handed it back to her. Absolutely nothing. That's what it means. And, and let me tell you all kinds of weird stuff like that. Um, people say weird things. They get weird. So we're going to deal with that. I want to give you four things and maybe five if I give you a bonus, but for sure, exactly, Britt, for sure though, I'm going to give you four. So get something to drink and buckle in because I'm about to rant. Number one, um, the number one thing that bothers me 
is that when I know the number one thing, and please write these down and put them in the comments. I'm not just ranting. I'm teaching. I'm teaching because these things will keep you from being effective, keep you from producing fruit. Number one, number one, ignoring the word of God for fads or trends. That's number one, ignoring the word of God for fads or trends. That's something that you need to write right in the comments and write in your notes. Here's a good way to not be effective. Here's a good way to stop producing fruit. Ignore the word of God and replace it with fads and trends. <clears throat> no question. Right. Put it in the comments. Ignoring the word of God for fads or trends. And what ends up happening, just like in anything else, I mean, like even with fashion, you know, there's, there's classic style and then there are trends or there's fashion, you know, uh, maybe it'll come back soon. It'll come back around because fashion, it goes in circles, but you know, nobody's really wearing bell bottoms anymore. You know, bell bottoms went out. And so, you know, you see somebody wearing bell bottoms, you know, like that were popular in the, in the seventies. You think to yourself, like, hold on a second, sixties and seventies like, that's not now that's not today. And you can clearly spot that and say that that was a trend and that trend is over. Trends flow through the body of Christ. Fads flow through the body of Christ, just like anywhere else. And something will get all popular and something will get all, uh, uh, you know, it, it becomes, um, <laughs> so they did, um, people get all that everybody jumps on the subject you know, and they jump into it and start using it and they start preaching it and all this stuff and, and they get on it and then they get on stuff that's not really truly in the word, but they start supplementing the word of God with other things, right? And so you went back and you can see that all through the, all through the body of Christ. Um, and, and so what ends up happening is they get more into that. I've seen pastors uh, get all into, you know, uh, apocryphal books of the Bible. And say, well, we need to get into this. You know, all my, we need to all, our, the church needs to see this. The, the church needs to read these. We need to start teaching from these. We, and it's not the word of God, but they somehow come across a fad of, we need to look into extra biblical writings. And then start getting into that, start teaching things that they saw in apocryphal books or pseudepigraphal books of the Bible that are not the word of God, that are something that men wrote and men made. Well, there's a lot of good that we can get. There's a lot of revelation we can get from it. And they get into that and start getting into weird stuff start getting into very weird stuff, you know, um, or somebody will go beyond what the Bible teaches. I mean, how, how long ago wasn't, isn't it, isn't it interesting to you that how many books came out about blood moons just a short time ago and everybody was writing books about blood moons. And every, I mean, it was everywhere you looked, every preacher was talking about it, everything, everybody. And the Bible does say that there will come a time where the moon will be turned to blood, but people went off on blood moons and it was like, a it covered the body of Christ for a short period of time. Everybody was all in it. There are fads and there are trends. And sometimes people can extrapolate and go beyond what the Bible says and get into a trend or a fad that's exciting to your mind, but then they get all dogmatic about it. You know, it, yeah. And, and that's another thing. Jessica said, or, or, or there'll be a book that'll come out and then everybody jumps on it and everybody jumps on the fad and everybody jumps on the trend. And then people start talking about, did you know there's a Bible code? 
I, I got the book, the Bible code. And if you'll read, if you'll actually go back to the original language and you start in, you get, put these ciphers in and you'll start getting, I saw John F. Kennedy was in the Bible. If you go through the Bible code, you know what you'll find out? You'll find out 9-11 was in the Bible the whole time. If you'll use the Bible code, you'll find it. And people get into these fads and trends. They leave the word of God, which carries power, and they get into fads and trends. And they're carried off, the Bible says, by every wind of doctrine. The Bible says that. They're carried off by every wind of doctrine. They're, they're, they're not stable. They're unstable like the waves of the sea, driven and tossed. And they no matter what it is, because it's exciting to the carnal mind. It's exciting to the carnal mind. And so what do they do? They jump on it. They leap on it. They eat it up, man. They eat it up. It's like, oh, this is amazing. Did you see this? I, was, I got into the Bible codes. I was, a, you know, and you go through all these things. There's hidden, you know, there's hidden stuff in the Bible that nobody's ever seen. And if we use it and, and literally it carries people away and then it, it consumes them. Literally, their carnal mind and their soul get so overwhelmed with uh, what they what they read, some book, some bestseller, somebody's making money somewhere, doing something, and they get so consumed with it, so overwhelmed with it, they start. That's all they talk about. And every time they're with other believers, well, do you see this Bible code? You know, you could. I don't know if you know this or not, but the the, uh, the Lincoln Abraham Lincoln's assassination was in the Bible. If you'll use the Bible code, it was in the Bible. You just got to use the Bible code. You got to you got to study the Bible code. And they just, they get, they get all weird about it. Super weird. And then they get, they get into these things and they leave the word of God. And so you, you've got people that'll start, uh, literally letting go. They'll, they'll, they'll quit their, they'll pause or quit their Bible reading, their devotional time to delve deeper into the Bible codes or, you know, what all the fads and trends. And so you've left the word of God and you've gotten into something that's extra biblical. That means outside the Bible something that's outside the Bible. And every time there's a new fad, every time there's a new trend, people jump on it. And it makes you look like a fool, to be honest with you. It makes you look like a fool because it's not from God. And then when people, <laughs> and then when people look at you, especially people outside the church, like this, this guy's a nut. It's like every conspiracy theory in the world has come out of your mouth. You look like a nut. All, all caught up. Focus on what the Bible says. Focus on what the Bible teaches. You can't, remember this, you can't add to or take away from the word of God. Yeah. I heard that, Stephen. Stephen said the Bible code actually interlinks with the Da Vinci code. I've heard, I've heard all the, I've heard all that. And people get all caught up on that. And then, you know, like something like that'll come out. That's not even written by a Christian. Da Vinci code will come out. And people say, yeah, did you hear about this? Well, you know, uh, apparently, if you want to know what the Holy Grail is, it was actually not a cup, the cup of Christ, but it was actually a person, you know, and Jesus was married. And it's like, people get all weird. They just jump on anything that has to do with Christianity and they go off on it. And they, they stick with the scripture, stick with what the Bible actually says, stick with what it actually teaches and don't be carried off by every wind, don't every fad, every trend. Because there will always be things that will be carnally interesting to your mind that will carry you away and waste your time. It's a waste of time. It's a total waste of time. Let me just say something. And, I, and I'm not teaching. Well, that's true. Sister Patty said it's easier to follow a fad than study the word. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me, let me give you an example. I'm not even saying that 
you know, some of the Old Testament apocryphal books are bad to read. You know, even the early church fathers believed that they had uh, some value to them as you read them, if you understand they're not God's word like the scripture is. But it's not wrong to read, you know, First and Second Maccabees or Bell and the Dragon or any of the books that may be found in the Catholic Bible. It's not wrong to read them if, as long as you understand that they're not the word of God and you're just reading them for, um, you know, like as extra biblical writings. And there is some value to be pulled from them. So I'm not saying it's wrong to read them, but here's the thing that I, I wonder about sometimes. Why in the world would you ever go and start studying and reading apocryphal books of the Bible if you've never even read the Bible through all the way? Like that, that to me blows my mind. Book of Enoch, which is not an apocryphal book. It's a pseudepigraphal book of the Bible that nobody accepts as scripture. Nobody does and has never been accepted as scripture, but that's a huge one. People will get into the book of Enoch and say, we need to get, everybody needs to get into the book of Enoch. I'm telling you, there's so much revelation in the book of Enoch. It's not even scripture. And there's thousands of errors in the book of Enoch, but people that haven't even read the Bible through all the way, will get all, oh man, you got to get this book of Enoch, man. It's powerful. There's so much stuff about angels in there. And it's not even the word of God. It's not even the word of God. And it shouldn't ever be considered the word of God. And people that haven't even read the word of God all the way through are all, you know, oh my God, it's, I'm telling you, it's powerful. That blows my mind. People's carnal minds just want something that's outside. You know why? Because the flesh is at war with the spirit. Remember this, Galatians chapter five and verse 17. The flesh is constantly at war with the spirit. Your flesh man, your carnal man wants to reject the word of God. But your spirit man wants to ingest and eat and feast upon the word of God. And so your spirit's calling out for more word and your flesh is trying to push back on the word. And so, exactly, Patty's talking about uh, the writings of Josephus and they're valuable and they're wonderful and it's history and it's great, but it doesn't take the place of the word of God. And people get into fads and trends and it takes them away from the word, which is the thing that builds you up and makes you effective and makes you powerful. And then you get outside of your effectiveness. There's nothing you're going to read, trust me when I tell you this, there's nothing that you're going to read in the book of Enoch that's going to make you a more faithful believer, that's going to make you a more powerful believer, that's going to make you a more effective believer, and it will not cause you to produce any more fruit than reading the word of God. It won't. It's not God's word, and it doesn't carry that kind of power. It's just like saying, you know, if you read the New York Times, it's going to make me a better believer. It's not going to make you a better believer. It's written by men, just like one Enoch is written by men. It's, it has nothing to do with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but people get into fads and then they become goofy. It's like, oh, let me tell you, there's revelation in Enoch that you can't get anywhere else. I'm going to be honest with you right now. You start getting into that, bro. It's deep. It's deep, bro. You know, they get weird. They get weird and the devil will use anything to get you off the word. He'll use absolutely anything. You know, I, I, I've, I've seen people, no lie. I've seen people get caught up and spend all their time trying to find the redemptive parallels in popular movies. Um, you know, I remember when The Matrix came out. If you're old enough to remember The Matrix, I think it was 1999, throw a hand in the comments, Keanu Reeves, The Matrix trilogy. But when the first one came out, people were all over that man. Did you know, bro, did you know that whether those guys know it or not, I believe God anointed them to write, to, to write The Matrix. 
the Wachowski brothers, because if you go through it, I'm telling you right now, there's redemptive stuff all through. I'm telling you, you got to look at it. Neo, his name is Neo. That means the one. If you read it backwards, it's the one. Keanu Reeves is representing Jesus in that movie. And, and just look at it. It's the story of redemption. Everybody's hooked to things and they're slaves and they don't even know they're slaves. That's sin, bro. They're, they're slaves to sin and they don't even know it. And they're, they're asleep. But then the one comes through. What does he do? He eats the red pill. That's the blood of Jesus, bro. That's the blood of Jesus. And when he gets into the vault with the blood of Jesus, then his eyes open and he sees what's real and he starts freeing the captives. And like, I promise you, I had so many people, so many people, they, they get all so into that. It's like, now, now I'm going to search for the redemptive context in every movie. Then you're sitting around, literally, you're sitting around, rather than studying the word, rather than praying, you're sitting around trying to figure out, well, who does Gandalf represent in Lord of the Rings? Is that the Holy Spirit or is that Jesus or is that an angel? I, it's like, bro, just chill out. You're turning into a weirdo. It's like, you're turning into a weirdo. They get carried away by just fads and trends and things that are carnal. Have nothing to do with the spirit of God. Nothing to do with the spirit of God. And they become goofy, carnal, foolish Christians. That literally, it's a turnoff to the world. Because you just look insane. (laughs) And, And you're not looking insane for the right reason, which is being filled with the Holy Ghost. And manifesting the power of the Holy Ghost, you look insane for the purpose of looking insane because you look like a nut job. It has nothing to do with the scripture, has nothing to do with the scripture. And so one of the number one, as I'm ranting today, the number one thing that causes Christians to be goofy is that they ignore the word for fads and trends. They ignore the word for fads and for trends. And so you have to be careful of that. You got to stick to the word of God. What does the word say? What does it teach? Okay, let me let me give you let me give you an example here. Who inspired the word of God? All of it. The Holy Spirit did. Does he know all things or does he not know all things? Absolutely, he's omniscient. He knows all things. And so what you're saying, if you believe that you need to go outside the Bible to get more revelation. No, I I was in Enoch No, I was in the gospel of Thomas. I was in the gospel of Mary. And you get into these other books. And what you're really saying is the Holy Spirit didn't understand enough to give you enough in his inspired word to give you the completion of what you need. And so you have to look outside of the word of God in order to get the revelation you truly need to be powerful. You have to look outside of the word of God. That's what you're saying. Because if you're talking about it like that, which people do, I've had tons of people talk to me about it like that. Bro, no, I'm telling you, there's revelation you can get in this book that you can't get anywhere else. What you're saying is that the Holy Spirit missed the boat, that he missed the boat. I'm not, I'm not uh, arguing um, canon today. I mean, that's been done for thousands of years. You know, those books that we're talking about have never been considered canon by the church ever, ever. Even the Old Testament Apocrypha that's in the, in the Catholic Bible, Jesus and the apostles never quoted from those books, ever. They didn't quote from them. They quoted from almost every Old Testament book and never quoted from the Apocryphal books. Neither did the uh, early church fathers believe they were the word of God. No one's ever considered them that. <clears throat> so understand something. It's You have to look outside of the inspired word of God to get revelation. You, the Holy Ghost couldn't have given it to you. He didn't think that it was important enough for you to have it. He missed the boat. 
Are you telling the, are you saying that the Holy Spirit made mistakes when he gave us the word of God and forgot to give us some? No. That's why the Bible says at the end, you can't take away from what was written. You can't add to what was written. He gave you exactly what you need in the word of God. Do not ignore the word of God to follow fads and to follow trends. Number two, this one is a huge one, by the way. And I hope you guys share the heck out of this broadcast because I'm ready for for people to get offended over this because I would rather them hear me say it and get offended and know that people think that they're nuts for believe and for doing this kind of stuff. I would rather they know that because it, it, it's actually more of walking in love, letting people know the error. And I'm not calling out individual people. I'm calling out the principles and that's fine to do. It's fine to do that. And so if people are like this, they need to hear that it's, you know, you need to change your ways. <laughs> Absolutely. Number two, <clears throat> here's something that causes believers to be goofy. They're more interested in spirits than they are the Lord. Put it in the comments. Number two, more interested in spirits than they are the Lord Jesus or the Holy Ghost or or God the Father. That's number two, more interested in spirits. What do I mean by that? They're more interested in angels. They're more interested in demons. They're more interested in the devil. Do you know there's whole conferences that people do to talk the entire time on demons? to talk the entire time on demonology. Focus. I know people, listen to me, I know people that have based their entire ministry on demons. Literally, demons. Like, that's what your whole ministry is going to be about? Demons? People are more interested in angels. They'll take all this time to teach on angels. And I don't mean we shouldn't have a sermon on angels or hear what the Bible says about angels. But when all you ever talk about is angels and seeing an angel and there's an angel in the room and there's an angel, I can't operate in the gifts of the spirit unless an angel comes in the room. There's preachers that taught that, famous preachers throughout the years that I I can't operate in the gifts of the spirit unless my, my angel comes in the room. Well, that's not scriptural. That's not scriptural. The angels don't give the gifts of the spirit. The Holy Spirit is the giver of the gifts and he lives inside your body. The Holy Ghost lives in your body. You don't need an angel to come in the room to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. I see angels. I'm asking God to show me angels. Why do you need to see an angel? Why are people so enamored? Yeah, cutting demons out with a spiritual sword. Cody's Cody's making me laugh now. They're more interested in spirits. There's demons. I got to tell you, there's 28 ways to get rid of the demon. It's like, why are you so focused on demons? There's people that literally, just like they're ghost hunters, they'll set up, Uh, they're sure that houses are haunted by demons. They'll set up night vision cameras in the houses. We're going to catch that demon on camera. I'm telling you, there's a demon in this house needs to be exercised. Did you smell that? Have you ever watched those shows? Did you smell that? I walked in the room and I could even smell like a, a, like a smell of a demon. Your wife went to Taco Bell is all that happened. Your wife went to Taco Bell and now she's battling it in her body. (laughs) It's not a demon. That's a chalupa. (laughs) that's not a demon that's a chalupa I smell demons in this house and I'm not saying that there isn't a you know I know that that stuff can happen for example my my uncle Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth was ministering one time and somebody in the parking lot was bringing in a woman 
who was in the final stages of cancer, final stages of cancer. Of course, we believe cancer is a spirit. It's a, it's an unclean spirit of infirmity. And they hadn't even gotten into the church yet. And they were coming in from the parking lot into the sanctuary. And my uncle Terry said over the microphone, I can smell it. I can smell the foul, the foul, you know, odor of that unclean spirit. And he didn't even know why he could smell it until they brought that woman in who was battling final stages of cancer and God healed her and set her free. But I'm not talking about a man of God with a track record of integrity who's working in signs, wonders, and miracles. I'm talking about goofy believers that are walking around always smelling something, always seeing something, always talking about demons, always talking about angels. You, the way you hear some people talk, you know, the most important thing you could ever achieve as a believer is seeing an angel. My God, I saw three angels and then I saw an angel. My dad tested out a person one time. They were in his meeting. They said, Brother Ted, Jesus is right there next to you. And just to test him, I said, no, he's not. He's over there by the organ. And they looked, they said, oh, Brother Ted, he must have moved. <laughs> There's people so enamored. I got to see something. I don't need to see an angel. I need, I, demons are everywhere. They get so caught up with demons. It's weird. Let me tell you, anytime you start seeing people that they're, they're ma ma the major thing they deal with in their ministry is just demons. Demons, demons, demons. They've got problems. They've got problems. I was with somebody not long ago and heard them teach that the reason that any believers battling for long periods of time, the things that they're battling is because they are bound by the spirit of legion, the demon legion, for, which first of all is completely unscriptural that any, there's no Christian that can be possessed by a demon, nor can a demon live in a Christian. It's impossible. It's impossible. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. If, if, there, was, if there was a demon that was going to inhabit a Christian, the Bible teaches the first thing that would have to happen is he'd have to come, up, come in and bind up the strong man. And the strong man is the Holy Ghost. You're telling me there's a demon that's going to come into you and take authority over the Holy Ghost and kick the Holy Ghost out of you? No way. It's not going to happen. But I was actually with a person that began to teach that there are Christians that it's because Legion the demon is inside them. And what they need to do, this was the answer, by the way, of how to deal with it. It entered into you through your bloodline somewhere in the past. And by the Holy Ghost, you have to time travel back to that time where that demon was allowed to enter into your bloodline through your family. And you've got to be able to remove that demon that came in through your bloodline by time traveling in the Holy Ghost. I mean, it sounds like a great movie, but it, it's nowhere in the scripture. Nowhere in the scripture. <laughs> I don't even know how you would do that. How do you time travel in the Holy Ghost? I don't even know what that means. It's what scripture are you using to back that up? And I was in the service. I was there. So I'm not just saying this is like secondhand information. I was there itching in my chair to get the microphone. And let me tell you something. It, it was like people get weird. <laughs> they get weird. And they get all into this. I got, you know, there's a demon. Let's focus on the demons. Everybody's got a demon in them. It's like, okay, no, they don't <laughs> stop being a nut. And, and literally, and literally, if you would focus on Christ, see, he's our focus. 
Focus on Christ. Focus on God the Father. Focus on the power of the Holy Spirit. See, if you'll focus on those things, the power of God, it's not that we deny demonic activity. We're not denying that there are demons. Of course there are, but I don't put my focus on them. Do you know what's interesting? The Bible says, and I was reading this in our daily Bible reading, it's interesting that when uh, Jesus was dealing with a demon-possessed person, the Bible says, and when he saw that a crowd was forming, he quickly cast the demon out. Why? Because he wouldn't give the demon any time to perform for the crowd. He wouldn't give his focus to the demon. He wouldn't let the demon take over the uh, atmosphere. The Bible says, and when he saw the crowd quickly forming, he cast the demon out. He cast the demon out. And so, yeah, there's nothing wrong, Andrew, with having a deliverance ministry. Brother Shambach had a deliverance ministry. Brother A.A. Allen had a deliverance ministry. My father has a deliverance ministry. We've seen plenty of deliverance in our ministry. Nothing wrong with it. But when you, listen to me now, when you have a deliverance ministry, look at the people who have had powerful deliverance ministries. Brother Allen, Brother Shambach, what did they preach? What did they focus on? My father, what do they what do they focus on? Christ, the power of Jesus, the power of the Holy Ghost, the greater one who's on the inside of you, the blood of Jesus, which is more than enough. They focus on the power of God. They don't focus on demon spirits. They don't focus on demon spirits. They focus on the power that's greater than the devil, which is Christ. They focus on his redemptive work. They focus on the power of the Holy Ghost. And so I want you you to understand this. Anybody that has a true deliverance ministry focuses on the power of the deliverer, not on the thing that's binding the person. Demons have to flee at the name of Jesus Christ. Demons have to flee. That's why I love that Brother Shambach said, this was a quote that he gave about Brother Allen, who he traveled with. He said, A.A. Allen cast out more demons on accident than most preachers do on purpose. (laughs) And that's a direct quote from Brother Shambach. He cast out more demons by accident than most preachers do on purpose. Anybody that has a true deliverance ministry focuses on the power of Christ, the power of his blood, the power of the Holy Ghost, focuses on faith. That's what they focus on. Because you understand, Jesus didn't go through um, you know, find me which part of the Sermon on the Mount, his longest teaching in the Gospels, which large portion did he uh, spend teaching on the demonic and on demons and how to identify certain demons and which part of the Sermon on the Mount? It's the longest message we have written down from Christ. He didn't focus on demonology. He wasn't sitting around focusing on the darkness that's in the world. And let me explain to you about what a kundalini spirit is. And let me focus on what a water spirit is. And let me focus. He didn't, he didn't spend, he glorified his father. He preached the word. He performed signs and wonders and miracles. He didn't have to go around. Uh, There were times he pointed out little things here and there for his disciples to see. Mark 9, 29, this kind of demon doesn't come out except by prayer and fasting. So he's teaching them little things here and there, but he wasn't holding full-time demon conferences. We're going to spend the next 10 days going deep on the subject of the demonic. Like, what's the purpose of that? All they need to know is come out in Jesus' name. That's all you need to know. Doesn't matter what your name is. Doesn't matter who you are. 
know, people make such a big deal about that. Well, Jesus took the time to ask the, the demons, what is your name? And so he was going deeper into the identity of the demon. How many other demons in the Bible did Jesus ask what their name was? None. Just cast them out. In fact, I've preached this before, and of course, it's my opinion, but it almost seems like the question that Jesus asks, because this is the most powerful demonic force, really, that Jesus, other than Satan, that Jesus faced in a human being in the word of God, Mark chapter 5. The Bible says that whole crowds, the whole city would try to bind this man and control this man, and they couldn't, and he would break the chains, and he would continue to be violent. This was... Uh, probably one of the most uh, violent and powerful demonic forces Jesus faced. I I feel it this way. Jesus asked that question as as if a rhetorical device to almost say, what is your name? Not that I need to know it, but I'm just letting you know what your name is not. Your name is Legion? Big deal. I've got the name that's above every other name. I almost feel like Jesus was using that question as a rhetorical device to point out the fact you might have defeated all these people in the city. They might not have been able to bind you. They might not have been able to hold you. But let me give you an an idea of who just stepped off the boat. Your name's Legion, but my name is Jesus, the name that's above every other name. And you've got to come out. And they knew his power. He didn't have to do battle with a uh, with an army of demons. They ran to him and begged him, please don't torment us. Please don't torment us. That lets you know they already knew what kind of power he had. And Jesus didn't ask the name of any other demon, any other demon in scripture. What's your name? He didn't go between every demon having to identify it. You know, when I was growing up, there were people that were so nutty Remember back when there was overhead projectors and before we had nice screens, we had an overhead projector and they would have the clear uh, transparency things for the overhead with the words of the songs printed on them. And there were people that would do prayer meetings where they were pulling down every demon over their city and they'd write the names of these demons on transparencies and put them up on the wall through the overhead projector. And we're going we're to start calling out the names of the demons over the city and calling them down. Baal we call you down today. You have no authority over the city. It's like, seriously, where do you even find the names of the demons? Other than Legion in the Bible, where do you find these other names? Can you go to Barnes & Noble? Is there like a demon naming book next to the baby naming books in, the, in Barnes & Noble? Yes, Andrew, I believe they are bogus where you blow into a bag or you look back over your history of your family and they are able to discover. He's asking on YouTube for those on the podcast and Facebook, are those deliverance retreats bogus where you blow into a bag and you know sometimes they, they have you go back and you have to go back through your life, what, 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 what was happening to you with your mother and your father. They're trying to balance psychology with new age philosophy and then Christianity and that's not what's in the Bible. What explain where in the Bible Jesus said, now let's go back through your past. Now, how was your mother to you when you were young? Did you have any traumatic experiences with your father? Here's a bag. Disciples, give him a bag. Just begin to breathe in and out in that bag. Start vomiting out that spirit, if you would. Give him a vomit bag. Please give him a vomit bag, if you would. Just begin to vomit that spirit out, if you would. We're going to pray for you now. It's like that stuff is not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. There was never a retreat where somebody had to go and be made free on a retreat. Well, we're going to just, we're going to have you come with us for two weeks and we're going to stay out in the wilderness and we're just going to go ahead and have you breathe in a bag. I mean, like it's, it's ridiculous. 
It's absolutely ridiculous and it's nutty. And even people that aren't Christians know it's nutty. It's goofy. It's just, it's people, I don't know why they get away from scripture. Here's something that'll help you. Do it like it's done in the Bible. Why do we have to, you know, why are we changing things up? Apparently Jesus way wasn't good enough for people. Do it like it was done in the Bible. Do you know why I pip? Do you know why I put my fingers in people's ears when I pray for people that are deaf? Because Jesus put his fingers into the ears of deaf people and commanded their hearing to come back. That's why. That's why. Do you know why I lay my hands on people and pray for them to be healed? Because number one, Jesus did it. The apostles did it. And it's commanded in scripture in James chapter five to do it. That's why I do it. Do you know why we believe in prayer cloths and we pray over them and send them to the sick and the diseased? Because that's what Paul did in Acts chapter 19 and we're following his actual uh, example in scripture. That's why we do it. That's why we do it. We don't do it because we we thought it would be a great idea. We do it because it's in the Bible. Do it like it was done in the Bible. why, Why are we doing all these weird things? Why do we have to do all these? Why are we? Let me ask you a question. Why are people, and this was more prevalent back in the 80s and 90s, why are people looking for gold dust? Why are they looking for feathers? Where is that in the Bible? Why why do I even care? I'm going to tell you, we were in a meeting and there was gold dust everywhere, everywhere. Okay? Big deal. You know, big deal. I'm telling you, we were in that meeting. And feathers just started, I mean, everywhere. Feathers, brother. I mean, you would not have, the amount of feathers that we found. Meanwhile, pigeons have inhabited your church and you didn't even know it and they're molting. It's ridiculous. Alberta, we don't believe in generational curses. I've done entire broadcasts on that. There is no generational curses for Christians. We're redeemed from every curse. There is no curse that can come upon us. We're uncursable. As Balaam said, I can't curse what God has blessed. There is no generational curses for Christians. It's just poor upbringing and it's learned habits from people that are not good stewards of their bodies, of their minds, of their uh, of their uh, spirits. And that's what it is. We're uncursable. Why are we looking for gold dust? Why are we looking for feathers? What in the world is going on with people's minds? It's just crazy. It's crazy. They're more interested in spirits than they are the Holy Spirit. They're more, well, exactly. I've said that, Nikki. Nikki said, collect the gold dust, take it to a jeweler, collect the cash and fund the end time harvest. Yeah. I would love for people to collect the gold dust and have it tested. You know, it was sister Peggy's glitter that she overapplied before she came to church. I mean, literally what's the purpose? Where's the redemptive purpose in the gold dust? Where's the redemptive purpose in the, in the feathers? Is anybody being healed? Is anybody being filled with the Holy ghost? Is anybody being saved? That's what we need to focus on. That's what we need to focus on. Where are the redemptive, where are the redemptive? I mean, like, you know, Soul Division Ministry said, what about the Bible that's been flowing with olive oil for several years now? I'm not telling you that I don't believe in signs and wonders. 
Of course, I believe in signs and wonders, but remember this, in the Bible, signs and wonders always came to the end with a redemptive context. Signs and wonders happened, John 2, 23, and many believed on his name when they saw the miracles which he did. So his miracles produced belief, faith, Christianity. Somebody saw other people getting a miracle, gave them faith to be healed, and they received a healing. There's a redemptive context. Somebody was saved. Somebody was healed. Somebody was filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 8, Philip went to Samaria, preached Christ, and performed miracles. And when he did, guess what happened? The crowd believed them. And then what happened? They got saved. And then what happened? They all got filled with the Holy Ghost. Redemptive context. The signs and wonders produced a redemptive result. I've not studied it. Look what Jessica's saying. The oil, like the oil on the Bible, got, the guy admitted he bought oil at the tractor supply. So, I mean, I don't know anything about that. I've seen it in passing. I've not studied it. But I'm not telling you I don't believe in signs and wonders. What I'm telling you is signs and wonders should always bring about a redemptive end result. Somebody should be saved. Somebody should be healed. Somebody should be filled with the Holy Ghost. Somebody should be delivered. Somebody should be blessed. There should always be. It's like, that's why I don't believe in these guys that go around just doing signs and wonders for the sake of signs and wonders. I can tell you your bank card number. Okay, big deal. So could somebody that operates in a familiar spirit that's a demon. What, what good does that do? I can tell you your bank card number. Okay, so what's happening at the end of your ministry? You just know everybody's bank card number or is anybody being saved? Is anybody being healed? Is anybody being delivered? Is anybody being filled with the Holy Ghost? Is anybody being set free? Miracle signs and wonders should lead to God's desire to bless his people. Remember this, his number one desire is souls to be saved. If you're not doing that, you're failing on the most basic level that there is. You're failing on the most basic level. Get back to doing what the Bible says to do and stop being a nut job. Please, that's my plea to every nut job Christian. Stop being a nut job. Stop it. Just stop it. The spirit is subject to the prophet. You don't have to be a nut job. Stop being a nut job. So number two, they're more interested in spirits than they are the Lord or the Holy Ghost. Talking about demons all the time. Talking about angels all the time. Focus on Jesus. Focus on the power of God. Focus on the Holy Ghost. That's the main thing. That's the main thing. And so I want to uh, I want to go on to number three. Look at this. Write this in the comments. Number three. The third sign of a goofy Christian is that they're so, so super spiritual that they can't answer unbelievers. They can't answer unbelievers. When they are commanded in Scripture to be able to answer unbelievers. Go to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. Look at this. In the third chapter, Peter writes in the 15th verse, But in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord, as holy. Look at this. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason 
for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So one of the things we are commanded to be able to do as Christians is give an answer for our salvation to those that have questions about it. And these people that get so super spiritual and weird and goofy, if you were to just question them on basic Bible doctrines, they would not have an answer. I was saddened by listening to the teaching of one of the greatest evangelists of our time. Um, His name is Dag Hayward Mills. And he said that the, the average minister, let alone Christian, he said the average minister cannot functionally lead people to Jesus. And I thought that is a sad state. And he actually released a book teaching how you can lead someone to Jesus. It's very sad that you've got, you know, when I've got people, I've been in services and you listen to people give an altar call for salvation. People come forward, they lead them in a prayer. And I sit there and think to myself, like, that's not even a salvation prayer. That doesn't even cover the bases of what is required for salvation. Doesn't even cover the bases. The whole prayer was a waste of time. It was a total waste of time. There's so many hipsters out there that they don't want to offend anybody. They don't want um, they don't want anybody to be uncomfortable. All this stuff, and so they they craft these prayers that really mean nothing. They they literally it's just a bunch of words. It means nothing. It means nothing. I've heard people call people to the front and say, "Now just repeat this after me, Father." I just know that I can't do life alone. I'm tired of trying to do life alone, God. I need your embrace. God, I need, I just need you to do this life with me. I don't want to be alone in this world. It's like, what in the world? That's not a prayer of repentance. That's not a prayer of repentance. At what point during your hipster, seeker-sensitive prayer did you ever have people confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord? And, to, and, and confess that they believe in their heart God raised him up from the dead. For that's what Paul said is the prerequisite for salvation. We've got to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart God raised him from the dead. Then we'll be saved. Repent. Turn from your wicked ways. You know, we don't focus on that anymore. Father, we know we're imperfect beings, Lord. We know we're imperfect and without you we're nothing. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Now repent of your sin, confess that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. And then begin to produce works of righteousness with your life until Jesus comes or until you die. That's salvation. That's what salvation is. But people can't even do that. And the average Christian, especially these goofy ones, if if somebody on their job started questioning them, about about their salvation, many of them are like, well, you know, I don't know. I, I would just suggest that you, I would I would suggest you just come to church. You know, I, I, the reason I believe it's because our church believes it. You know, that's not an answer. That's not an answer. You go to one, you guys actually you go to one of those churches where they actually believe like that God heals people. Do you believe God actually like heals sick people? You know, people ask that kind of stuff. It's a basic question. Do you actually believe that you guys actually like pray for people and believe God will heal their sicknesses and take them off of them? Yeah, we do. Well, why do you believe that? Like, why would you guys even believe that? Well, you know, 
our church believes it. I kind of grew up believing that way. And that's not an answer. That is not an answer. The correct answer would be to that question. Number one, we stand on the Bible. We believe this is God's holy inerrant word, which has been proven true by prophecies that are written in the Bible that prove it's could not, it could not be a book written by humans because they accurately predicted the future time and time again, and it's never been proven false. So number one, we stand on the Bible as God's word because it has prophetic content and has never been proven wrong. In fact, 85% of these prophecies have already come to pass literally and accurately. So number one, we stand on this and believe it. And in this book, it tells us to lay hands on the sick and pray and believe that God will heal them. And it tells us that if we will, he will heal them and that they will recover from their sickness or disease. So to answer your question as to why I believe that, I believe it because the Bible teaches it. And I believe the Bible is true because it's of its prophetic content. Very easy answer. It doesn't, it doesn't take an hour of explaining doctrine or it doesn't take two hours of saying, well, it all started in the beginning. No, you don't have to do any of that. It's a very basic answer, but most people can't even do that. That's part of the reason we've given you Miracle Word University, because we're teaching you how to understand Bible doctrine from a Pentecostal standpoint so that you know why you believe what you believe. If you didn't know that we had that, it's found at MiracleWordU.com, the letter U miraclewordu.com. And we're putting up courses and courses and courses to teach you the basic Bible doctrines. We already have courses on the Holy Spirit, divine healing, prayer, faith. We're putting up more. Why? We want you to know. We want you to know. All the courses are built that way, Kelly. It's very easy to understand. So we want you to know how to answer. Well, why do we need to know how to answer? Because we're commanded to be able to answer in the Bible. And listen to me, why I tell you it's so important, why we're leading you through Bible reading and getting you faithful to the word of God is because you've got to know it for yourself in order to tell it to anybody else. And if you're focused on angels and demons and you're focused on, you know, one Enoch, and if you're focused on all Bible codes and all this other nut job stuff that people get all caught up in, you won't even know the basics of Christianity and how can you lead anybody to Jesus if that's the way you are. And so let me give you number four. I know our time's kind of running short, so I'll give you four only. And this is a big one. No, Dennis, you can't. Dennis said you can't live on anyone else's revelations. It's got to be true for you and to you. For you and to you. Now look at this. Number four. The fourth, things that, the, the fourth thing that causes people to become goofy and to become, you know, nut job Christians is that they have no mind for the harvest. No mind for the harvest. Put it in number four. They've got no mind for the harvest, for the unsaved, for those that are without Christ. There's no mindset for them. I heard Dr. Rodney Howard Brown say one time, he said, you know, you've got the Baptist church, the Southern Baptist convention who don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They don't believe in it, but they still are winning souls left and right. And you know what he said? He said, it's like God has given them a chainsaw to cut the harvest down. He said, and they won't turn it on. They won't actually turn it on with the power of the Holy Ghost. 
He said, but they'll go out into the harvest and manually cut down the harvest without the power of the Holy Ghost, and they're reaping the harvest. These Southern Baptist churches having people saved, whatever, and the churches are being filled up with, with people that are being saved. He said, but then you got Holy Ghost people who do believe in the baptism of the Spirit, and he said, they've got their, they've got their chainsaws on, but then they never go out into the harvest field. They all just sit, stay in their church seeing who can rev their chainsaw the loudest. Think about that. We've got the power of the Holy Ghost. Why is it that many uh, Holy Ghost churches are doing far less to reap the lost and bring souls into the kingdom than those that don't even believe in the Holy Ghost? What is the problem? And, I, and listen, there's a reason. There's a reason that charismatics and Pentecostals have gained a reputation of being ignorant, goofy people because so many of them get so caught up in their goofiness that they don't do the basic responsibility things from the word of God that Christians are commanded to do. You know, it's a sad day when the average church in America won't win one person to Jesus in an entire calendar year. I have to ask the question, what are you even doing? What are you doing if you're not winning souls? What are you doing? And so we get all... We're going to be doing a series coming up on the uh, what what demons are doing in the earth today. It's like, really? You're going to take a four-week series and teach your church on what demons are doing in the earth today. Meanwhile, you haven't had one person stand at your altar to receive Jesus in the last 13 weeks. What are you doing? What are you doing? They have no mind for the harvest. See, if you'll keep, remember this. And I truly believe this. Christians lose touch with what sinners are like and what sinners think and the way they live. We get into, we, and that's a dangerous thing to do. We get inside this bubble of Christianity and never leave it. <laughs> we get inside this bubble of Christianity, we never leave it. And then we forget what real life with people around the world is like. We forget how sinners live. We forget, you know, what they need and what they're believing for. We forget the basic needs of men. We're in this like Christian bubble. I hope you understand what I'm talking about because I'm not just ranting for the sake of ranting. I'm talking about things that are really a problem in the body of Christ. We forget, you know, there's a reason Jesus ate with sinners. There's a reason he spent his time in the marketplace. There's a reason he went out among those who were considered to be wicked. You know what his answer was? Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people need a doctor. And I'm I've already done broadcasts on making sure that you don't surround yourself with best friends that are all sinners and not spending time with them, letting them speak into your life. But what I'm trying to tell you is that if you don't ever have a mindset of the unbeliever and know what they're battling, know what they're dealing with, if you're so caught up in this super spiritual world of angels and demons and gold dust and feathers and you know all these weird things that people get into and you never focus on the lost, you will become a complete goofball in the kingdom of God, worth nothing, able to do nothing for the kingdom. When I say worth nothing, I don't mean that you don't have any personal value. I mean that you're not contributing to the work of the kingdom. There are people that do not contribute to the work of the kingdom, and it's a mistake. You'll be called a lazy and a wicked servant. Matthew 25. Don't bury your talent in the ground and just focus inwardly all the time. Focus on those that need Jesus. 
Ask yourself, you know, what, what is it that people need to hear? What is it that people are searching for? What is it that people are seeking? I hear preachers that preach like that. Literally, I've heard preachers that preach messages. And I thought to myself, as I was listening to the preacher preach, I thought to myself, what is an unbeliever who's in this service even thinking right now? I think like that often. And I don't think it's because I'm an evangelist. I think it's because I have a brain. (laughs) I don't think it's because, well, he stands in an evangelistic gift, so he's always got his mind on the lost. No, every Christian should have their minds on the lost, not just evangelists. And I've sat through messages and thought to myself, and, and listen to me. I know that there are services that are just believers meetings that are to strengthen the believer. They're valuable services. I know that. I know that there's services where we're building up the believer, we're equipping the believer. I get all of that. But I'm talking about, I've sat in services that I know have an evangelistic element to them at some degree and thought to myself, I've listened to this dude preach for the last 50 minutes and I'm wondering, what is a sinner thinking that's sitting in this service? Number one, they're completely lost. They don't know what in the heck he's talking about. Number two, there's been so much Christian cliches spewed out of this dude's mouth. Nobody that's not in the in crowd of Christianity is going to have any idea what this dude is talking about. And then finally, nothing is being preached that is pulling their heart to Jesus. There's no conviction going out. There's nothing that would prick the heart of a sinner and pull them to Christ. Nothing's being said that has any. And then you then you wonder, well, it's no surprise, is it? Why almost no churches in America or Canada have people saved throughout the year? Why? Because we get tricked into doing this kind of ministry. We get tricked into having these kind of services where nothing goes out for the unbeliever. And it's a mistake. If, if, if your goal, let me just tell you something. If you're a pastor listening to me or you're, you know, you're in leadership as a Christian, if your goal is to only schedule one Sunday a month that focuses on unbelievers, you are missing the mark. If you're not, listen to me, if you're not skillful enough with the word to somehow whatever series you're in, turn that series by the end and turn it to the winning of souls by the end of it, then you need to become more skillful with handling the word of God. You know, one of the masters, it would do people well. It blows my mind. You know, you, you have a guy like has the largest church in the world, Bishop David Oyadepo. And I've actually had people say, well, I don't really listen to him because I can't understand his accent. What a freaking fool. I don't really listen to him, you know, because he's got a Nigerian accent. I can't, I can't really understand the accent. Well, freaking learn to understand it. Because the man's got the largest church in the entire world and is having more. He's averaging 2,000 salvations a Sunday. So maybe learn to understand it so you can glean some wisdom and knowledge from a world shaker. You should thank God that he actually speaks a language that we can understand and that we don't have to learn German or, you know, some other language in order to listen to his preaching. Here's a man averaging 2,000 souls a Sunday, largest church in the world. He's building a sanctuary that'll seat 100,000 with a children's church that seats 10,000. <laughs> well, I don't really listen to him because I can't understand his accent. And one of the things he's a master at doing, a master, is that no matter what he preaches on, his name is David Oyedepo, O-Y-E-D-E. P-O, Oye Depo. 
preaches in Nigeria, largest church in the world, unofficially known as Winner's Chapel. But you need to look him up. He's on YouTube. He has his own channel. Every service, every prayer meeting that they ever do is posted on YouTube. Largest church in the world. Preaches to over 400,000 people every Sunday morning with five or six services. And one of the things that he's a master at is no matter what he preaches on, he's able to turn that thing back to calling souls to Jesus at the end of that service. Doesn't matter if he's preaching on prosperity. Doesn't matter what he's preaching on, marriage relationships, covenant day of marital breakthrough. It doesn't matter what he's preaching on. By the end, he has the ability, because of the right handling of the word of God, to turn that back to an altar call and call sinners to Christ. We would do well to listen to that and understand that the focus needs to be on the harvest. It's God's number one priority on the earth. People can say, well, his number one priority is really his children, and he loves his children. But what do you think God would rather? I mean, if you thought about it logically, and it's not, it doesn't have to be either or. I'm just giving you a, an, an analogy. What do you think God would rather? That his people be 60% effective, or not effective, 60% equipped, 60% perfected, but add 80% of the world to the kingdom, or 100% effective, or not effective, perfected and a hundred percent equipped, but only add 20% to the, to the kingdom. Well, of course he wants more souls to come in. And the, and the, this is the thing we make the mistake of doing. Everything has to be about building up the believer. Everything has to be about equipping the believer. I mean, we've been equipped for the last 50 years. How much longer do we have to be equipped? And you can, and I'm not saying it has to be either, or it can be both. It can be both. You can have believers meetings, you can equip the believer, you can prepare and perfect the believer and still win souls at the same time. You can do both, no question. But we get so focused, well, we're not ready yet, we need to perfect the believers more, we need to perfect the believers more, we need to equip the believers more. How much more do you need to be equipped before you go out and start doing the work of the ministry? And if we don't have a mind for souls, and if we don't have a mind for the harvest, it starts get, everything starts getting inwardly focused. And if it's inwardly focused, what ends up happening is that we start getting off because you start getting bored because you're getting bored because you're hearing all the same preaching on equipping, but then you're never putting it into action. So you go look for something that'll please your flesh more. Well, we've heard that already. We've heard about winning the lost. We've heard about healing. We've heard about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We've heard about those things. So now we want to hear something else that's more exciting to our flesh. Well, that's when you start getting into crazy stuff. What excites my flesh? Let's start looking into other books. Let's start looking into other teachings. Let's start looking into other things. Ooh, that, ooh, that really stirs me. Let's start talking about that. And then they, people get, they get off and they get goofy. Focus on your purpose. Focus on the lost. Focus on deliverance. Bring people into the kingdom. You, you know what's interesting? I'll, I'll give you something before I pray for you. One of the things that's helpful to people, have you ever watched, let me ask you this way. Have you ever, if, and if this is you, throw a, throw a hand in the comments. Have you ever watched a movie that you really, really enjoyed, that you loved the movie, but and you've already seen it, but a friend of yours hasn't seen it? And so you're like, dude, we got to watch this movie. This thing is off the chart. And they're like, well, didn't you already see it? And you're like, yeah, 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 I already saw it, but I'll watch it again with you. Have you ever had that happen? We're like, I'll watch it again with you because it's that good. And what do you gain the, the joy from? 
You know how good the movie was, but you have just as much of an enjoyment watching it the second time because you're watching it with a friend who hasn't seen the movie. So you get all excited to see it again because they haven't seen it, right? You've had that happen. So do you realize the same thing happens in the body of Christ? The same thing happens. You know, the only way that you get bored hearing the basic Bible doctrines that are preached, salvation, baptism of the Holy Ghost, healing, deliverance. The only way you get bored with all the basic teachings of the gospel is if you're the only one that keeps on hearing them. But watch this, and I promise you it's true. When you start bringing in friends, coworkers, family members, and they start getting saved, you start getting excited for them to hear that revelation that you heard for the first time. It's like watching a movie with somebody that they've never seen. It's like, man, I can't wait for him to hear this thing on prosperity. I can't wait for my my uh, my coworker to hear this thing on healing. I can't wait to him, for him to hear the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I can't wait to see him get baptized in the Holy Ghost. I can't wait to see him break break loose. And one of the things that keeps the joy of your salvation moving forward is you seeing what happened to you happen for other people. And then you're like, yes, bro, I can't. I hope my pastor preaches on healing today. I, this dude needs a healing, and I. What are you doing? Now the joy of your salvation is seeing what you got come upon the others. And then you get excited all over again, just like you do with watching a movie you've already seen with somebody that's never seen it. You get excited all over again thinking they're about to get what I got. They're about to get what I got. It's the same thing they saw in Acts chapter 10 at Cornelius's house. All of the Jews were blown away as they saw the Gentiles speaking in other tongues and prophesying. And they said, they got what we got. They're getting the same thing we got. They're getting the same. They're, they're filled with the Holy Ghost. They're saved. They got. And that's when Peter spoke up and said, I can clearly see, Acts 10, 34. I can clearly see that God is no respecter of persons. I can clearly see it. God loves the Gentiles in the same way he loves the Jews. And they all got excited. Why? The Gentiles were now getting it. It'll be the same for you. And you'll never get weird and you'll never get goofy and you'll never get bored. You won't get bored hearing, oh, we've heard this message already. I've heard pastor needs to get some new messages. We've heard this already. That's how people get. You know why? They're not functioning in their purpose. It's selfish. Everything's about them. Well, I've heard this message. I've heard this revelation. Yeah, well, get out and get into the community and get somebody that hasn't heard it and witness to them, get them saved, bring them into the house of God and let them hear it now. Let them hear it now. It's not all about you. It's not all about you. It's about the lost. It's about the lost. And so I'm giving you these and I know we went a little bit long in the teaching, but you need to hear it. It needs to be said. We don't need to become goofy super spiritual nut job Christians. Something about the eyes. I look in their eyes. I can always tell. There's like, here, here comes another one. Be a normal person. Stop being weird. Just a side note for all of you super spiritual answer givers. If somebody comes up to you in church and says, how are you doing? They don't want a five minute dissertation on every spiritual confession that you're confessing over your life. 
Hey, Brother Ted, how you doing today? Oh, I'm too blessed to be distressed. I'm under the spout where the glory comes out. I'm the head and I'm not the tail. I'm above and I'm not beneath. I'm blessed going in and I'm blessed coming out. I'm blessed in my basket and in my storehouse. Everything I put my hand to is blessed. He'll open up the rich treasury of the heavens and pour me out a blessing I don't have room enough to contain. I am the seed of Abraham. I'm an heir of Christ. They don't need to hear that. They know you're doing well. It's your brother in Christ. Just say good and keep on walking. If I have to hear one more person give me a mini message on every scriptural thing they've read about themselves, it's like, I get it. I'm a preacher. I preach the stuff. Thank God you understand the word. Just tell me you're doing well. You know, blows my mind. Super spiritual people. I won't be asking you again. Thank you. Thank you for the rundown. (laughs) Praise God. Next time, I may just keep on walking. (laughs) How you doing? Oh, I'm under the spot. Just keep on. I'm on the way to the car. I'm already in the car before they finish. People do that. People do that. Yeah, everything's great. I'm blessed. That's enough. I am blessed. Doing great. I like the answer my grandfather used to give. He always had, if somebody's looking for an AE-ism that was looking in the beginning of the, in the broadcast, my grandfather, I said this to my dad yesterday. People would come to my grandfather and they'd say, Brother AE, how you doing? He'd say, <laughs> he'd say, um, well, I'm suffering with comfort, dying of contentment, and I feel better all over more than anywhere else. And then they question him again. He'd say, if I was doing any better, I'd be dangerous. <laughs> I'm suffering with comfort, dying of contentment, and I feel better all over more than anywhere else. That's a good answer. If I was doing any better, I'd be dangerous. <laughs> and so I want to pray for you because see, I want you to, I want these things. I know there's new believers watching. I know there's young believers watching. And then there's many of you that are uh, seasoned believers that are watching, but these things can never be talked about too much because we need to have a generation of Christians that is serious about what God's called us to do, that are serious about what God's called us to do. And that we're stepping out and accomplishing the, the purposes of the kingdom and the agenda and plan of God on the earth. So I want you to bow your head, every person that's watching. And I want you to pray this with me. If you're with others, join hands with them and receive this prayer today. And Father, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you will keep us in a place of effective work in Jesus' name. Lord, use us by your glory to bring souls into the kingdom of God. Number one, never let us ignore the word for things that are outside of your word or become enamored with things that are carnal and fleshly and soulish over the things that are from the word of God. Lord, never let us become more interested in demons or angels than we are in the Holy Ghost and, the, and, and in Christ and in, the, and you, Lord, Father God. Never let us ever become more interested in what's lesser than the things that are greater. In Jesus' name, give us divine wisdom and revelation. Give us the ability to answer those that have questions about our salvation and let us answer it with gentleness and respect. And Lord, always keep within us a mindset for the harvest that needs to be reaped. Give us a burning passion and a desire to win the lost in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And I ask you in Jesus' name that you would let that fire burn so hot in us that we would not be able to go throughout our normal lives without reaching out for those that are dying and pulling them into the kingdom of God in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord. We give you praise and we give you glory 
for using us in these final moments of time. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. If you believe and receive that prayer, you know what to do. Throw some fire in the comments section. Let me know that you're believing and standing with us, believing for the best days you've ever seen. May is our month for miracles. It's our month for miracles. And uh, I've had people writing us. Someone just wrote yesterday and said, the Lord has been speaking to us to stand with your ministry and to believe God for increase. And uh, you may feel the same. The Holy Spirit's speaking to many of you to sow seeds. And there's a reason for that. We're going after the lost. We're touching the world with the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as you connect yourself, one of the ways we connect, you connect yourself with a ministry that is reaching the world and reaching the lost. And that's one of the things that takes place as you sow seed. It is your, it's you saying, I am serious. Because here's the thing. Anybody can say they're interested in it, but when you get behind it, let me explain something to you that, that's uh, helpful to know. When you sow financial seeds, that is literally you giving yourself into the ministry. Why do I say that? Because the money that you have comes from you giving your time away at your job, whatever else you're doing. It is you giving that away. That is a representation of you. That's time you spent away from your family, your children, your house, your level. It's all of that. You gave yourself away in, in, in exchange for the paycheck. So when you sow financial seed, that is you giving yourself to the harvest. You're giving yourself. And so there's people, the Lord's speaking to you to sow large faith-filled seeds to push the gospel forward. And so I want to encourage you to do what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do because you're a partaker. Think about this. You're a partaker of the gospel. You're one of those that's propagating the gospel. You're pushing it forward with the obedient seeds that you sow and the prayers that you pray. And so for those of you that are doing that, I want you to, uh, all the information's on the screen. You know how to do it. Um, and we appreciate you for doing it. We appreciate you for doing it. Um, everybody that is partnering with us, we're, all, we're standing with you as well. Partnership's not one-sided, it's two-sided. And so we're praying for you. I stand in the gap for you and pray for your family, believing for miracles. People have been sending me text messages and saying, would you pray for my sister, pray for my husband, pray for my aunt, and giving their name, telling me what they're going through. And we're praying for you, standing with you. And I want you to know that you always have a person here. That's myself. And of course, Carolyn's with me. So you have two people here for sure. And then of course, all of our ministry team as well. But for sure, you've got two people that are standing with you in faith. If you're one of those that say, I've got nobody else that believes like I believe. You've got two people right here that believe exactly like you believe. And we're standing in faith with you and believing God for miracles, signs, and wonders in your life and family. And so we have a covenant connection. Remember that. We have a covenant connection. We stand with you. You're standing with us. It's a covenant connection. We love you. And that's what covenant's all about. That's what iron sharpening iron is all about. It's that we're together in the kingdom of God doing the work of the ministry. And so we appreciate you and love you. Thank you for everybody that's standing with us. It means a lot. I can't imagine what's going to happen when we get to heaven and people run up to us and thank us for being faithful in the kingdom of God. I know there's going to be people that will run up and say, if it hadn't been for what you did to obey the word and obey the Holy Spirit, I would not be, I would not be in heaven today. 
And I know there's going to be people like that. Imagine all the people, just from, not, not even from your own witnessing and your own faithfulness to talk to coworkers and friends. Imagine just from the seeds you've sown that have pushed the gospel out. Imagine people that have heard the gospel message because you were a sower. And they'll run up to you and say, if it hadn't been for the seeds you sowed, then I would not even be here. I heard the gospel because of your faithfulness. I can't wait. I can't wait to get to heaven and meet every one of those people because I know I don't know them all. There's no way I could know them all, but I'm excited to meet them and I'm happy they'll be in heaven. I'm I like what Dr. Uh, Reinhard Bonnke said as it was his motto before he went on to be with the Lord. He said he's plundering hell to populate heaven. Plundering hell to populate heaven. It's a powerful thought. And he did it with all of his heart and all of his ministry. Millions came to Christ, tens of millions through his life and ministry. Supernatural. It's absolutely supernatural. And so I'm, I'm excited, very excited. And thank you, everybody that's sewing. Don't forget, tomorrow is the day that my wife and Pastor Mindy Spencer will be doing a Facebook party, Nonstop Mom uh, private Facebook group, $500 in giveaways, gift cards, Urban Stems, whatever that is, J. Crew Jewelry, and Baked by Melissa, which we have confirmed is not marijuana, nor is it marijuana cupcakes. But all these giveaways starts tomorrow, 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time on the private Nonstop Mom Facebook group. Be a part of that. And if you haven't started yet on the Bible Challenge, let me encourage you to go to miracleword.com forward slash study, study and download the Bible reading plan and begin today. You're not too late. You are not too late. And good news, even though the first and second shipments of the mugs sold out, We've got a third shipment coming in. This is probably the fastest selling thing we've ever had in the Miracle Word store, but the third shipment is in. If you want something for a, a gift for mom for Mother's Day, uh, snatch it up. Snatch it up because they're going very quickly and you want to get yours as well. And uh, I know you'll enjoy it. By the way, big news. I'm so happy. If you haven't ordered your copy of Further Faster yet, what are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your life. The brand new book, Further Faster, is now available. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I've been waiting. A lot of people have been waiting for this to come out, and it's now available. And um, I'm looking forward to you getting your copy. I truly believe it's one of the most important things that the Lord's allowed me to write. This is how to accelerate your purpose through the force of impartation, to go further faster. And we believe strongly in the power of impartation. And you can get yours now on the website, shop.miracleword.com. You can also get a copy on Amazon if you'd like to. For all of our partners, we have a um, hardcover edition that's coming out. Can you believe it? They sent me back the ebook versions and um, the uh, there were still mistakes. So I had to send it back, unfortunately. So a little bit more of a delay on the ebook version. And I know people have been waiting for that. I know that people have been waiting to get that, but it's coming very soon. I promise you that it's coming very, very soon. And I'm sorry for the delay, but I want it to be right for you guys uh, before it comes out. So we will, uh, we will get it to you ASAP. I know I'm looking forward to you getting it too, Mike. Looking forward to that mustache as well. <laughs> very much looking forward to that mustache. Um, <laughs> 
It looks so good, the handlebar mustache. You can't beat it. <laughs> God bless you too, Jacob. And thank you for hanging with us. We love you guys. I'll be back tonight. Don't forget, tonight, 9 p.m., Understanding Your Divine Dominion. Uh, you're not going to want to miss this. Part three, we're going to jump into the, the areas now of dominion. Sin over sickness, over poverty, over depression. We're jumping into these, and it's going to be great. I can't wait to be back with you. I'll see you tonight, uh, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. I love you so much. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.